We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I got something special for y'all today. I have been begging this dude right here to come on our show all spring, and we haven't been able to make this, the, the, the schedule work, but today we made it happen. You all know who that is. That's Tim Priester of Irish Illustrated. Tim, I was actually talking about you on my show the other day because we were looking up a roster to try to from the bold blue and gold illustrated magazines going over the 1990 recruiting class. So I found that magazine and went over that class. Uh, Tim, obviously been reading you for a long time and um, really happy to have you on with us today. Coach D, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Tim, I missed you yesterday. I was I was hoping to see you yesterday. We got a nice little gift, got our final open full practice of the spring, but it was a lot of the stuff that we had seen before. And so what I wanted to do today, Tim, is just kind of go over everything that we have seen. Like me, you know, you and I watch practice, but we and it's been nice to be at practice with you this year, by the way. But we also spend a lot of time talking to sources, talking to different people, trying to find out as much as we can about what this football team is. And so we thought, you know, before the spring game, because let's be honest, the spring game is one of the least important things that we'll watch this spring, uh, just where this football team is. So we're just kind of going to go down through it and just uh, have a little bit of fun and talk about that where this team is. I want to start off, Tim, asking you first, because you actually you were at spring practices last year. I had my team there and I got to see some some film, practice film and things like that, but I wasn't there every as much as you guys were obviously last year. I just want to kind of, as you look at this team, year two of Marcus Freeman, this new look staff, the roster changes and all that, just give an overall overall view, Tim, of how you see where this team is relative to where it was a year ago as we were kind of going into the, the infancy stages of the Marcus Freeman tenure. Well, first of all, Marcus Freeman is a lot more comfortable at practice. It's like he doesn't he doesn't have to think about where he's standing or where he should go next. And uh, I think that's pretty obvious that there's a comfort zone there. And, you know, I think he's done a – I mean, I, I you know, in retrospect, I mean, I, I like the changes that have been made um, in, in the coaching staff. I think Joe Rudolph is an excellent coach. We all know Harry he stands is legendary. Um, you know, I think – I'm not sure exactly how Jared Parker is going to do as an offensive coordinator compared to Tommy Reese, but I do like Gino Guaduli as a more experienced quarterbacks coach working for Notre Dame. And so I think that that's, 
that's to their advantage. So, I mean, that's, that's just one thing, but as far as where they are compared to last year at this time, I mean, the quarterback room is, <laughs> the quarterback room is so different and, and so much better. And, you know, I, I thought, I thought Tyler Buckner, um, from what I've seen up to this point and in my staff as well, you know, I, I just wasn't last year in August, I just wasn't going to go along with everybody and say, Oh yeah. Um, Tyler Buckner's accurate. He's going to be fine because I just didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. And I think that he's shown some things here this spring uh, that indicates he's more comfortable. You know, I think accuracy is something he's always going to have to battle to some extent. He's never going to look like Jimmy Clausen. No. Just... <laughs> yeah. or, or maybe for that matter, Kenny Minchie, who comes right. in as a pretty, pretty accurate quarterback, but much more comfortable in his skin much more comfortable in his uh, role. And, um, you know, I just, I think that that's better. I don't think that Sam Hartman has settled in, but that, that entire, that entire group is, is way better than they were at this time last year. Offensive line, you know, not as experienced at guard way ahead at, at wide receiver. And I still think the wide receiver positions have a long, long way to go. Um, I, I like the tight end group, but you don't have a Michael Mayer. And frankly, you don't have all your personnel because of injuries. Sure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com Irish. 
That's athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out. And then the defensive line, it's not as experienced. I had greater question marks about the defensive line going into the spring. And the glimpses that I've seen have been better than I anticipated. But again, look, you know, Brian, you know, there, there, there are no finished products on April 13th. Yes. And no finished products on the day of the, the spring game. There's yeah. just no such thing. It's better now because you get half of your freshman class in ahead of time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a few years ago that, uh, you know, most of your freshmen weren't here until August. I don't even know, or June, I guess. I don't even know how in the world any of those guys could adapt as quickly as they did. But so you get, you get a little better sense of the depth chart nowadays. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 I like the linebacker core, I think more than most people that cover, <laughs> that cover Notre Dame. Uh, we had a fun conversation about that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, linebacker play is directly tied to uh, defensive line play. And there were games last year where the defensive line was hammered. And as I always say, it's, difficult for a linebacker to make a tackle when his uh, when the first contact he's making to, to make a tackle is his own defensive lineman being pushed back into him. So, uh, you know, I like that group. We all know that the safety position needs some, some depth, but I'm really, really very, very bullish on Xavier Watts going into uh, as the spring finishes and going into the year. So, yeah, I don't know, Brian, I mean, it's not a, um, it's not a finished product, but the fact that the defensive line and, and, you know, we both have acknowledged that the practices have been the ones that we've been allowed to attend, at least the, the two full ones was very blitz heavy. And right. that's tough for a, for an offensive line. I know people think it's coach speak when they say, you know, the unit has to work together, but you have two, two new guards and a new offensive line. Right. Coach. It just doesn't happen overnight. So I, nothing, Nothing has discouraged me. I am a little concerned at the overall development of the wide receiver core, but again, it's, it's, it's very, very early. Uh, I know you're, you're a little bit more bullish yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just of kind of where I, I, where I think they will be. And and we'll get into that position specifically. I, I think the one thing that I will say is I always turn my back and don't watch place kicking because I have to keep reminding myself that their place kickers not on campus yet (laughs) because that's been a a punter either. Right. Right. I think another takeaway that I have had Tim, is I've said this, I don't know what kind of football team they're going to be next year. We're going to find out it's April and, and, as a coach, you're always excited about this time of the year, but you're always nervous about this time of the year because, as you said, you don't have your full team together. You have guys out, and it's just the early stages of the development. Spring is not an end-all. It's not an end game. There's no end to spring. It's a continuation of the process that begins in January. The one thing I will say confidently is I don't know how good of a team they're going to be. That remains to be seen. I'm excited and optimistic about the team, but my point is this. This is a far more athletic football team, and I'm talking at every across the board, even the offensive line. Are they going to be better than Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lugagard this year? I have no idea. But Billy Shrout's a better athlete than either one of those two guys. I mean, they're, they're going to be more athletic yeah. there. They're going to be more athletic a wide receiver. They're going to be more athletic in, on, on defense, This, in my, in my opinion. Now, will they be better football players? That remains to be seen. Is Billy Shrout going to be a better football player than Jarrett Patterson? That's a hard thing to ask him to do. Jarrett Patterson's a pretty good football player. But athleticism, I think, is one of the things that I'm encouraged by is when you watch this team play. I mean, you know, <laughs> we'll talk about the receivers and 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 they've got they're a work in progress, but then you look at them and you say, as to your point, they're still so much better than they were a year ago. 
and that's the kind of the, the thing that we'll get into. So I, I'm bullish on this team, Tim. I am, but we also acknowledging the fact that this is still a work in progress, and there's going to be some guys go out. They're going to go try to dip into the portal again here when we get into May to try to help the secondary, the safety position, re, you know, stocking that a little bit. So this team's still going to look a little bit different. We haven't seen Bubakar, Armel Mukum. Can they help at all? I have no idea. We haven't seen Devin Houston healthy. We haven't seen Eli. I mean, is, is Jadaric Price right. going to be back? I mean, there's just so – we've seen Logan Diggs like, what, once this yeah. spring? Yeah. Uh, and and that's kind of partly what makes me excited about this team, Tim, is because we don't see Logan Diggs. We, Chris Tyree's playing receiver. We don't see Jadarian Price. And what is what happens? Jabron Payne steps into the mix and says, okay, I got this, you know, and – I think that's probably the biggest thing for me is I think the depth of this team, especially on offense, is so much greater now than it was even just a year ago when we're talking about, like, do they have more than four healthy receivers right now? I do yeah. not think that they do. Yeah. And I, to, you the, know what, to that point, Brian, I, I, the other thing, I mean, in addition to the athleticism, and I agree with you, I love the direction that they're going size-wise along the defensive mm-hmm. line. You know, I don't, yeah. you're not, you're, Howard Cross is a good football player, is going to remain a good football player at Notre Dame. But they aren't going to be recruiting six foot, six foot defensive tackles moving forward. They're getting larger bodies, right. and I think you know you, that's very important from a leverage standpoint, and that's very uh, in, important. Like you talk about the athleticism on offense at receiver, it's athleticism with size. You're always going right. to have some smaller receivers, but you're seeing the Colseys and the Merriweathers. And people like that, Caleb Smith. I maybe we'll talk about him a little bit more. I'm not sure what what his future holds at Notre Dame, but um, yeah, they're the, the size and athleticism. I don't think, yeah, any doubt. And and we are seeing depth. Another uh, another misconception. It's like, oh my God, they don't have enough bodies at safety. Well, no team in the country has perfect balance at every position. It's just not. It just doesn't happen, right? Especially in the spring because you don't have full complement of players. So no finished products in the spring, uh, but I agree with what you say uh, in terms of the athleticism. And I like, I like the stature of the linemen as well. Yeah. Tim, we'll dive over to, we'll dive over to the offense now and, and just kind of focus zero in a little bit. I think you said some good things about obviously the coaching position. I'm not sure how to get rid of that, Brian. Yeah. Frankly, without uh, eliminating my, wow. Yeah everybody's everybody's trying to reach out to, to Tim nowadays. So um, so I think if you go to the uh, notifications or you go to um, uh, here, I'm going to put you on mute for a second, Tim, while I kind of load this up and uh, let you figure out how to do that. But uh, if you go to your, I'm not sure what, are you on a, are you on a, um, a Mac? Okay. Yeah. If you go to um, pull up your, I think you're getting text alerts, right? So if you just go up there to your message, you should have preferences. You should be able to turn your sound off. You can also go to your uh, main thing and, and have your outgoing, turn your outgoing volume down, but that might impact uh, obviously, uh, or your incoming volume, but that would then impact being able to hear me. So I'll let you work on that a little bit. I got you muted now, Tim. I'm going to kind of set us up for the offense. I think you made some good points earlier when you look at, the offense. I think the, the the makeup of the coaching staff is very interesting. And and there's two ways to look at it, right? One is to say, well, you know, Joe Rudolph's not as good as Harry Heastan. And I don't know if Jared Parker's going to be as, you know, the coach that Tommy Reese was. Will he be worse? Will he be better? Will it be just the same? We don't have an answer to that question right now. 
And so I think when when you, you look at the makeup of the coaching staff and say, take away what it was or what it's been compared to and just look at for what it is, we don't know what we're going to get from Jared Parker. But I think the overall makeup is good. Your Dylan McCullough is going into year two at Notre Dame. He's one of the best in the business. Chancey Stuckey's going into year two. He was a huge question mark at this time last year because the guy had only coached for one year. What's he going to be able to do? I thought he did a very good job his first year, especially considering what I thought he was walking into and what what how that unit had been developed or not developed in previous seasons. And then, you know, you look at Jared Parker continuing as a tight ends coach. I think Gino Gadouli, as you said, was a, a really strong hire, proven track record. And and I think it's good for the quarterbacks. I'm, I'm someone who believes that an OC can be an, be an offensive coordinator. I have no problem with that. But I also think that there's some merit to where over the next couple of years it might be beneficial to this group for a host of reasons to have a very de- dedicated quarterbacks coach. So I feel good about where they are offensively. They're definitely working on some new things. I, I feel good about it. But I want to kind of dive into the positions, Tim, and, and we're going to start off with, with quarterback because obviously this is the this is the position where that draws the most conversation. And anytime there's a quarterback battle, you're going to see a million articles written about, oh, the quarterback battle and things along those lines. We'll we'll talk about that, but but I think the big thing for me, Tim, is is we here's what I hope that Notre Dame fans don't do, and we we see it. But we got to we got to get out of this mindset of like being on Team Hartman or Team Buckner, right? The, here's the way I look at it: Notre Dame is loaded at quarterback right now, and we'll find out who's going to start: Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner, and, and we'll dive into that a little bit. But the reality is, I'm so much more confident now than I was a year ago about where Notre Dame is a, is a quarterback. Because I, I was of the belief that I still felt Tyler Buckner was without question the best quarterback last year because Drew Pine was too limited. Great kid, great leader and all that, but Buckner brought playmaking ability. And if you lost him, your offense was going to be in trouble. This year I look at and say, I think they're, it doesn't matter who starts a quarterback. They're going to have a chance to have a very good football player because Tyler Buckner is ahead of where he was a year ago. That's part of the development process. And I think that's the thing that my big takeaway is we can obsess over who's, who's it going to be. And none of us have that answer right now, but my confidence level that Notre Dame is going to get playmaking from this quarterback position in some capacity, whether it's as a pure passer, like Sam is, or as a dual threat guy, like, like Tyler is the play at quarterback in game one this year is going to be significantly better in my opinion than it was in game one last year and definitely game three to game 12, I think we're going to see, and that's no knock on Drew Pine. He was just he was just a limited player as a first year starter. I think the play at quarterback is going to be so much better. And you cannot win in college football today, especially at Notre Dame, if you don't have really strong quarterback play. And that's that's my takeaway. Is I feel so much better that they're going to have a shot to be to get that at quarterback, regardless of who ends up starting. In my opinion, yeah, I've, I've never really quite understood a fan cheering against their own players. I mean, I understand that. Okay. I think he can be better than this guy. And we have that faction too. Now that they, especially now that Buckner had a really good day, we have an obligation to report that we saw he had a really good day. Um, You know, that, that, okay, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I want Buckner to, to, to beat him out. Well, I don't, I don't look, I don't, I don't absolutely know what's in the best interest of Notre Dame football 2023 at quarterback but I'm pretty sure it's with the guy with 13,000 yards <laughs> touchdowns. Right. Uh, I mean, I, that, why, why right. would we want to skip that step when you've been looking for, you know, a trigger man of this, of this degree? Um, now I, I understand that, that 
the dual threat option that Buckner mm-hmm. offers the ability to run. I mean, he, I mean, Notre Dame does not win the Gator Bowl without, without that yeah. aspect of it. Even with his mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, look, I, I I'm being a little bit facetious because I understand fans are, you know, this is my guy and I like this guy and I, I want him to win, but I, you know, I want, I want Sam Hartman to be the quarterback because I think that gives Notre Dame the highest upside in 2023. Right now, a patient Tyler Buckner, which by all accounts, I think that that's his very nature and who he is. I hope a patient Tyler Buckner sticks around. And so it can be the starting quarterback in 2024 and is prepared. Something happens to Sam Hartman this year. Right now. Do you want to do? Do you want a package for Butler? I think it's or Buckner. I think it's hard to do that with a with a quarterback uh, as accomplished as Hartman. But if you wanted to do it in the red zone, you probably could. Um, but I, look, I, I don't even want to. I, I, I a quarterback with thirteen thousand yards and one hundred ten touchdowns, who led Wake Forest to forty one points per game. And eleven victories at Wake Forest. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to see how this. I want to see how high the ceiling. The the ceiling is higher with Hartman in twenty twenty three than than Buckner. I mean, I just I I don't I can't see it any other way. Now Tyler Buckner of twenty twenty four, who maybe gets some playing time for whatever reason sure. this year, is even better next year. But. I'm not cheering against Notre Dame's quarterbacks. I, I want the one that's the most accomplished. And right now, Sam Hartman is the most accomplished. He's the most accomplished returning quarterback in college football next yeah. year. I mean, you're talking about a kid that ranks 19th and 18th all time, all time in college football history and passing yards and passing touchdowns. My thing, Tim, is I'm fine with people having the debate of, hey, I think, because I think you can make a case, and it's not one that I agree with. I'm playing devil's advocate here that if you're not someone who's as high on the playmakers around the quarterback, let's just say, let's say you're someone who's down on the receivers. I'm not saying you are, I'm just making a point. You may say, hey, well, these guys are unproven. I don't know if they can do this. I lost some area to do that. I need a quarterback that can go out there and make plays on his own. That's a fair conversation to have. What bothers me is when you get into the whole, I'm going to tear down Tyler Buckner because I'm a a Sam Hartman guy, or I'm going to tear down Sam Hartman because I'm a Tyler Buckner guy. I'm, I'm excited that they have both of them. But I, I think the other thing, too, is when you look at this conversation is I'm not surprised that Sam is not lighting the world on fire and completing 90% of his passes in practice because he's still learning the offense and he's still learning the wide receivers. I, I actually think he's done well because we're seeing them. He's already changing the offense. I mean, that's the thing that, that the takeaway that people need to understand is what we see at practice and then also what I hear talking to my different sources is they throw the ball down the field a ton more yes, yeah. this year than they have in the past. And then a big part of that is because you brought in Sam Hartman, who is one of the four or five best deep ball passers in college football the last two years, statistically. And and you've got players that fit his skill set. So I think the, the, the conversation is, is it has to, it has to be this, Tim, is you have to understand where, are you from as a coach it was this way in baseball it's this way in football you go through certain periods and you say my expectation was not to be here by the end of april my expectation is to be there by the time we get into game prep for navy and that's where they are with sam hartman the expectation is not the sam hartman's going to look like he's in mid-season form by practice nine it's going to be we got to get sam hartman ready when we take on navy 
That's the expectation that the Notre Dame coaching staff has. And I think that when the, the, the unfortunate aspect of it is it, it for Sam looking at it from Sam's standpoint is the fact that we have only seen the two practices where it was heavy blitz periods. Well, then you talk to sources and you hear about how well Sam moved the offense the day before when they were working on different things. It's part of the deal. And I, and I think that's good for Sam Hartman to kind of get thrown into the fire a little bit like that. Hey, learn what the Notre Dame media is like now, because it's a different animal than it is a wake force. And there's nothing, that's not an insult. That's just the reality. This is a different spotlight and you need to be able to handle that. And I think he will. I think he, I, I think he's fine with that. But I also think it's encouraging to see that Tyler has developed as a passer. That's the biggest thing for me, Tim. And we were talking about this yesterday uh, at practice. I said, you know, the thing that's different about Tyler this year, I felt Tyler's always had very good anticipation. Tyler's always had a good mind for the game. I think he understands football. I think he's a smart kid. Tyler's problem was always mechanical, Tim. That was always the thing with him and why he would be off basis. He'd make a good read and then just miss because his footwork was always kind of scatter it was just always too fast uh it's it's it he, he was a guy that struggled to consistently uh throw the ball with a, a consistent release point he would just have those ones that just the ball would just come out of his hand funky and as soon as it left his hand you're like this isn't going to be close you just knew it was going to be incomplete he's avoiding those type of throws this year and i think a lot of it comes down to his feet he looks a lot more calm with his feet going through things and and quarterback is a lot like I've always felt is a lot like people compared to being a pitcher in baseball. I've never felt that. I, I think being a quarterback is more like being a hitter or a shortstop in baseball, especially nowadays. And if your feet in baseball, that's why I played growing up. And that's why I say that if your feet are hurried as a shortstop, you're going to be a really inaccurate thrower over the first base. You've got to have a rhythm. And I think Tyler looks much more in rhythm this year. And that's allowing his decision-making to shine more because the decisions that he's always, I thought, made well, good decisions, he's now more accurate with the throws. And it's definitely helped him in those blitz periods because he does have a very quick release. And I think that's benefited him a great deal. And, and I like the fact, too, that he's running around more in hopes of trying to find somebody to throw to as opposed to just as soon as he starts moving, he tucks that yeah. sucker and looks for a place to run. Yeah, I, so I, we're seeing a lot of maturity in Tyler in that regard. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I like the fact that he's finding a comfort zone. I think he's benefited from whatever counseling or the relationship with Sam Hartman. It, it, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good balance. Frankly, when you talk about footwork, sometimes I question Hartman's a little bit. Uh, you know, he has a high interception rate, and he, and he tends to lean on that back foot a lot sometimes. Uh, and he's got a, you know, kind of a, a little bit of a funky wind up in his throw a little bit, but you know, he can, I mean, most quarterbacks, you can nitpick a little bit, but uh, no, it's, it's a good balance. Um, I mean, just getting back to the quarterback room. <laughs> my God. Yeah. I mean, to, to have a Minchie, we've seen, I don't know what you saw Minchie throwing yesterday, but, uh, but add him to the mix with Angeli and Angeli is, you know, in a tough situation, especially with CJ Carr being committed and coming in next year. But uh, yeah, I, it, it's all good. It's it's Buckner needed to relax. I mean, think about yeah. when we saw him in in August of last year, and then of course game situations uh, early in the year. I, I don't know that he knew how to relax quite yet, how to get himself in the right frame of mind where he could just let it go and, and be confident right. in himself and. And, and, and let it fly, but uh, no doubt. I mean, it's a it's a better, much better, much better situation. I'm happy as heck because 
while everybody was trying to convince me that he was throwing well in August of last year, I, I just, I didn't see that. And um, we saw, I think for me, Tim, the thing was more of just he, he, whatever you may think of Tyler, he was still significantly better than Drew Pine. That, that's the thing for me that I always felt is he gives you a chance to win well, because I mean, he can I, make I thought... plays. Cause Drew, here's, here's my point. And here's, here's where I'm optimistic about this season. The difference between this year and last year is last year they needed a quarterback that could make plays because there was uncertainty at running back. Although I liked the running back, there was a lot of uncertainty at wide receiver and, and they needed a quarterback that could say, Hey, we're going to go out there and I'm going to put this team on my shoulders and do what Tyler did against South Carolina. They needed that every week and, and they couldn't get that. And that's why they were a nine and four team instead of a, a team that should have been better than nine and four at the very least 10 and two. And I think that's the big thing that brings me optimism now. And I think that's something that's helped Tyler as well is as the players around him are ascending and, and part of this was in the bowl game I and mean, you watch the way Jaden Thomas played, I mean, played great that game. You watch, you know, the way the running backs play, the way that the offensive line started opening up holes, something they did not do in the first two games when Tyler was the starter. You say, now, whoever the quarterback is, and the same thing with Sam Hartman, is Sam's got to learn, like, dude, this is not Wake Forest. You do not have a defense giving up 28, 29 points a game. You do, you have a run game. And I think that's where Sam is still kind of learning as a player. Is number one, there is a there is a footwork transition that he is making going away from that mesh and the way that they the way that they did things at Wake. And there's also the understanding of you don't have to to put the team on your shoulders and and you're not going to have games at Notre Dame where you're going to score 50 points a game and lose like he has the last 3 years against North Carolina. <laughs> you know, and I think that's something that Sam has to learn and I think that and we're now seeing Tyler reaping the benefits of that realization that he came to late last season of hey, when he took the team he took over for the bowl game was a completely different looking team than the one he had against South Carolina or I me mean, against Ohio State on offense. Yeah. Offensive line was much better. Receiving core had emerged. It, you know, it, it was just a, a better situation. And I think that's something to me that is going to help this quarterback room because they don't need a guy to go out there and put the team on his shoulders and win them a bunch of football games. They need a guy that's going to run the offense to get the ball where it needs to go to. And then occasionally in clutch situations, you're going to have to step up and make a play. And we saw that from Tyler in the bowl game last year. And we've seen that a lot from Sam throughout his career as well. Well, I mean, Buckner got hurt. So there, there, there wasn't an an option per se to to, to turn to what I did like about pine was I thought that he brought, (laughs) now I'm going to say this and then I'm going to offer a clarifier after (laughs) he brought some emotional stability to the position after what he went through it against Cal, because that was not, that was not emotional stability against uh, the bears, but um, you know, I, and, and the North Carolina, and I, I think that there's a tendency to forget the North Carolina and BYU games. I mean, I, I thought Drew Pine played really, really well in those games. So he gave him some stability, but I completely agree with you that we always understood that the upside was greater with Tyler Buckle, sure. but he got, he was injured. And so, right. You, you didn't you didn't have much of a choice there, but uh, now the 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 emotional stability uh, of Buckner is what I'm reading in the body language. I as a mm-hmm. as a former baseball coach, to me, body language was it was huge, not only to convince me that you were ready to play, but to convince your teammates that you were ready to play, and to convince your opponent that you were ready to play. So I was always very big on 
body language. And I wasn't a big fan of Buckner's because he just, he wasn't comfortable. And that happens mm-hmm. when you haven't had playing experience and you wake up one day and you're the starting quarterback in Notre Dame. Yeah. It's not, not an easy thing to do, but uh, you know, I, I, I am of course, always felt like Buckner's upside was, was much greater. And now we're, we're getting an opportunity to see that or, 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 or we haven't, I don't want to, I'm not sitting here and saying that, okay, Tyler Buckner's arrived. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we've seen progress yes. in his game. And by well, him making progress, that allows him to take the next step in his progress. What it is, Tim, is we're seeing him build on how the season ended, right? Because there's somebody in the chat, and I'm like, oh, I'm not sold on Tyler Buckner because he threw however many. I'm like, look, pick any quarterback in the country, and you're going to find games where they th- turn the ball over a bunch. It's just, right. it's just it's like, happen. like our opinion is not based upon the two practices we've seen, it's based right. on the Gator Bowl. The baseline's the different practices. now that we're evaluating Tyler. And right. that's the thing is like, we now have, okay, we have seen good Tyler Buckner for 95% of the snaps that he played in and in, in, against South Carolina. There were some big mistakes. The the two of the three interceptions were, were, were big mistakes in my opinion. There's a couple other plays where he had guys open and just, you know, sped up his footwork. And I mean, there's one particular play, I think it was a, a wheel route to Chris Tyree, I think. And he just short arms and just throws it at his ankles. And you're like, man, if he can have that throw back, you know, but we also saw him throw a pick six that allowed South. You're on the verge of putting that game away, and he throws a pick six. And and he and I and I remember looking at the sideline and then look Tim from the stands and then looking up at the at the uh, the TV and seeing Marcus Freeman and Tyler Buckner engaging. And Marcus Freeman's talking to him calmly, Tyler's and and taking it calmly. Mm-hmm. And there was no you know irate getting his face scream at him. Tyler's not shit, throwing his arms around. You just saw this level of calm, and you're like, uh, "Let's see how they. Let's see what happens next." Because you're like, "We're about to learn something about this head football coach, or we're about to learn something about this quarterback." And they just kind of go out there that next series and just calmly go right down the field. They yeah, ran the ball really well, somebody. but then he makes two huge third down throws for one for the touchdown, the other one to, that we don't talk about as much as that that throw to Chris Tyree getting that ball out to Chris Tyree for the first down. And you say, "Okay, we have seen sort of a, a, an emergence from Tyler Buckner." And I don't know if that guy was there early in the season. Yeah. And and well, he wasn't there early in the season. No, he and wasn't. And now he's building on that. And that's the thing is we're, we now have a baseline to build off. Whereas last year, we knew Tyler could make plays with his legs. We knew he could make plays off script. What we didn't know is could he run the offense snap after snap after snap and do the little things. We Tyler Buckner's always been a playmaker. But can he be a quarterback? And I think that's what we saw saw in the bowl game, and that's what we're seeing now in the spring. And it has to give you confidence that if he is the guy for whatever reason. I mean, what if Sam comes out and has a phenomenal fall camp and sprains his ankle or breaks his ankle or something bad happens, and all of a sudden now Tyler's a starter no matter what? It's good that Tyler's building on this. Here's In regards specifically to the quarterback competition, however, here's the reason I think Sam Hartman still starts. And it has nothing to do with – the experience because you've laid that out already tim like we we all dream of can you imagine what sam hartman could do with the supporting cast that he's going to have at notre dame and not a receiver because wake had pretty darn good receivers but it's everywhere else it's running back offensive line defense all of that and and but it's more so that Tyler's been in the system now for years. This is still basically the same system that they've always run. The terminology is the same. There's some wrinkles here and there, but he knows these receivers. If Tyler's going to start, I feel like he had to come out of spring well ahead of Sam Hartman. 
if it's even close right now, that bodes well for Hartman because Sam's only going to get more and more comfortable. The point being, there's more room for Sam to kind of quickly ascend within this offense than there is necessarily for Tyler from where they are right now. And that's kind of the, my point is, is if Tyler was going to be the guy, it had to be very obvious because you, you are going to take into account the experience, the proven track record nature of it. And I, and I, and as much as I love what Tyler's done, I just don't know if he's that far ahead to where you can say, Oh yes, I'm confident he's going to win the job. But we'll, we'll we'll see, and that's part of the fun of it. I don't know how. <laughs> how does the coaching staff like all things being equal, where they're both competing for the job? How can how how do you give the how do you give the job to Buckner? I mean, well, I to me, it's not it's not realistic, is it? I, I don't it, only if Tyler. And this is this is my thing. Tyler has to be significantly better just on a day to day basis. I, I mean, that's the that, only way. I don't way know you can how that can happen. happen. I, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do think this though, I think this is going to be good for Sam Hartman because I, I, I'm a believer in this, Tim, and, I, and I've said this in the past, I'm going to say it and I want you to speak on it. I think it's very important that we are seeing what we're seeing right now. And that, that, that Tyler is being given this legitimate opportunity. It's not just talking. Is. They're giving you him, know, they're giving him a ton of looks. Right. The first team. I think that I, I commend, Marcus Freeman and Guaduli and, and Jared Parker for doing they they are giving him every opportunity to excel. Now, whether they'll give him every opportunity right. to actually have the job is a different story, but right. I think they are, they are setting up the situation really, really well this spring. For me, why I think this is important is number one, it lets Tyler know we still believe in you, which helps your chances of keeping him around. Number two it is. It can be very difficult to bring in a transfer at a premium position and have him be the leader of your football team. If the team looks at him and says, this guy walked in and you just handed him something. He didn't have to earn anything. I don't care what he did at Wake Forest. This is Notre Dame. That That's how it can be potentially could be perceived in the locker room for a guy that from all, from all everything I've ever heard is the players do like and respect Tyler. He's a lot different than Drew personality-wise, but there's respect there. Sam needed to – if Sam's going to start, he needs to be – the perception has to be that he earned that because that's how you're going to go to battle with this guy. That's how on third and five when you're down four at against Ohio State or on the road against Clemson that the players are going to look at number 10 in the huddle and say, he's got this. Let me just go do my job because number 10 is going to do what he needs to do because you've seen him go out and earn it. And if Tyler, if something happens where Sam isn't the guy, and, and for me it's going to be because of some sort of injury, then you're also going to have faith in number 12 because you watch number 12 battle every single day against this guy that came in and everybody just assumed was going to get the job. And so to me it uplifts the team's view of the quarterback that I don't care who they put in, we can win with you. And I think it's even more important for Sam that he – be viewed as someone who went out there and competed and didn't complain, didn't act entitled, just went in there, was a good teammate and battled and then won the job. I think that's going to be good for the the team chemistry because if guys are just handed, let's be honest, Tim. Well, I shouldn't say let's be honest because you may have a different opinion on this, but I think that's one of the many things that did in the 2016 team is talking to different people on the program. There was a perception that didn't matter what Malik did in practice, 
Deshaun Kaiser was going to be the guy. And in my opinion, I thought Deshaun outplay or I thought Malik outplayed Deshaun almost every practice we went to that fall camp. And it just didn't matter. Deshaun was going to be the guy. At least that was the perception amongst the team. And that led to what I felt was a very fractured locker room. You have to have the perception that there's a legitimate competition and whoever wins it won it. I just think Sam's ultimately going to win it. I don't even think it's about how can the coaching staff not do that. I just think by the time Sam gets 40 practices under yeah. his belt, yeah, he's going to look a lot different than he is in practice nine. That's something to keep in mind, folks. Is what what, they, what was yesterday? Ten, nine or ten? I think What's practice. That? What was yesterday? Nine, practice nine or ten? It was number nine. They're going to squeeze in six here real quick. Nine of forty. Right. Think about where that's content. Sam's in practice nine of forty, getting ready for the first game. So I think he's going to be fine. Moral story is they're going to be good at quarterback. And you know yeah, what else is I good, Tim? Go ahead. Sorry. Yes, please I, respond well, to that. I don't – I don't. you know, I can't vouch for exactly what Hartman's demeanor is within the team. All we, all we, can, all we can judge it on is, what, you know, what we see. And I think that <clears> – I think he's doing a good job of blending in with his teammates. I mean, I know having talked to Buckner – you know, I guess you can be disingenuous about this, but I think that I think Buckner appreciates the way that Hartman has approached this. I think Jared Parker and Gino Guduli have done a really, really nice job of striking a balance of what you say, at least creating the 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 appearance. I, I uh, that's not even fair. I, I think they've made it a, a an equal competition on the practice field. Uh, certainly based upon the opportunities that we've seen Buckner run the number one offense. So, yeah, I, I think they've handled it very well. Uh, it, it's another reason why I'm optimistic about Jared Parker. Uh, I don't know that much about him. I know that his situation at West Virginia was a little bit beyond his control, maybe sometimes a lot beyond his control. And um, you know, I know there are people that felt like he was maybe not treated with great fairness with the title of offensive coordinator, but I, I mean, I'm optimistic. I'd certainly like the personality that, that he is, um, like you think about his first press conference, I think he endeared himself to Notre Dame fans just by him being himself and yeah. saying the right things and talking the right game. And I, you know, there are words and then there are actions, but I think a coach's words, uh, can lead to good actions on the practice field. And I think that that's, that's what's happened. So it's, it's, a, it's a good situation. Uh, ultimately, you, the, the more proven player, as you say, over 40 practices will likely emerge. Yeah. Uh, and and you, you want competition at the quarterback position. And it's, it's, it's healthy. I, I think it's a, I do, I it's agree healthy. with you. I think it is a healthy situation. Here's what's also healthy. Tim, the town around the quarterback is going to be pretty good. And, and a lot of the question marks, in my opinion, that we're talking about here in April are normal and what a lot of teams are going through. You know who else is sitting there trying to figure out how good their offensive line is going to be? Ohio State, Alabama, yeah. like, you know, Georgia, right? I mean, but there's a level of confidence, in my opinion, that, that they're going to figure that out for two reasons. Number one is we know who Andrew Kristoffic is, and at the very least, He's a steady presence. I mean, him him and Joe Walt stepping into the starting lineup is one of the things that solidified what, what up to that point in time it had been a very poor offensive line in 2021. We know what he can do. We know the baseline. So if somebody beats him out, you feel good that it you're going to have something there. And, you know, Billy Shrouth is a work in progress, but he's a very talented work in progress. 
And if Joe Alt, Joe Rudolph is who we think he is and hope he is, then they're going to be fine there. I'm, I'm not concerned about that. And regarding the, the running back is going to be fine. They're going to be loaded there. I think they have one of the best backfields in, in, in football. Receivers, one I want to talk to you about, Tim, because I, 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 I'll let you kind of kick it off and just kind of share your opinion, and I'll tell you maybe why I'm a little bit more bullish on this group of where they are right now. But w- just kind of overall, because you have said two things. Number one is the receivers maybe th- they're not where they need to be, essentially is what you said, which is completely agree. But the o- other thing you said is even within that, they're so much further along than where they were a year ago at this time because of injuries and a lot of other things. We, you know, we would have had to, we had to lie in order to say something real positive about the (laughs) the wide receiver core last year. I mean, we didn't, we didn't think Deion Colsey was, I, I, last year at this time, I didn't based upon, again, the Intel that you get that we get, I didn't think Deion Colsey was going to be a player and he has a long, long way to go. I mean, I I don't, I, I, he still has a lot to prove. There's no doubt about that. But Merriweather, we know, is a big-time player. Jaden Thomas made huge strides last year, both in in his physical approach. Um, you know, he's changed his body a little bit. But to, mentally, I mean, mentally, I think he's come to grips with who he is and what his assets are, and he's putting those to, to good use. You know, I, I don't know what ends up happening with Styles, but I in in the at least in the the early practices that we had an opportunity to see this spring, I thought he was, I thought he was playing with a real spring in his step and aggression, which man, by the time as that season evolved last year, there was no confidence in that body language. What's the mm-hmm. level? Um, you know, so uh, yeah, it's, it's what I, I think I, the upside for Tobias Merriweather is really, really high. And he's just scratching the surface of that but I think we're going to get see him get beyond the surface this year. And again, getting back to a guy like Hartman, Hartman, once he gets on the same page with these guys, is going to make the receiving core that much better. I mean, that's what that's what good quarterbacks do. They make they make receivers better receivers. And I think he has an opportunity to do that. But you know, as a whole, I, I you know, you love the you, you know, you I don't know how the freshman class I don't know how you could expect them to be more impressive at receiver at this stage since they're, yeah. you know, second semester high school seniors. Flores has impressed all of us. Just his, the way he's put together, my goodness. I mean, that's a that's an impressive player. Uh, Jaden Greathouse has flashed. Certainly Braylon James has flashed. Now, I know the Nordham coaching staff felt like James in terms of his evolution and development walked in this spring as the third among those three. Yeah in development, but when we've seen him make plays and, uh, you know, he's hard to defend, man. He gets open. He gets beyond the, the deepest of the deep. Tim, if you don't beat him off the line, you you're done. Yeah. I mean, that, and now that's what happened yesterday is they were beating him up at the line of scrimmage and he had a, he had a red Jersey on yesterday. He had a, uh, my understanding is he had a blow to the head. So he's just, just being careful with him, but they were letting him in one-on-ones and in different periods. And what hurt him yesterday was because as you said, Braylon is the most raw of that group. He's also the most explosive receiver they have on the roster, not named Chris Tyree. And he's about what, five inches taller than Chris Tyree. And, and so if you don't beat him at the snap, you're you're done. You, you don't have a chance. And that's the thing that we've seen and we've heard all spring is if if, if he gets a step on you, it's it's strike up the band, right? I mean, it's, it's going to be over. 
And the thing I the thing I like about this unit too, I mean, we haven't even talked about Chris Tyree yet, who I don't view as a guy that he's not going to look like Theo Riddick in 2010. I don't think he has the same the same uh it's not the same offense. I don't know if his skill set's necessarily the same, but he's gonna do some things this year where his speed is gonna add something to the mix. I mean, you're you're having to go on one snap dealing with Jaden Thomas in the slot, and then the very next snap you can end up be dealing with Chris Tyree in the slot or maybe next series. I love the diversity that this group brings to the table from a skill set standpoint, Tim. And I think that's something that 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 as an offensive coordinator, I want. And when I was a receivers coach, I tried to recruit is if I got a bunch of the same guy. When we play a team that happens to be able to match up with that, we have no answers. Whereas right now, from series to series, I could go one snap, one series, and I could have Tobias Merriweather, Jalen Thomas, and Deion Colsey on the field and have just a bunch of giants. And the very next series, I could come out with Rico Flores, Chris Tyree, and Lorenzo Styles and look completely different in what we're going to throw at you. And and that's difficult for a team. I'm not saying they're going to do that. I'm making a point in style of play. And I think that makes could make Notre Dame a lot harder to, to to deal with, and it gives Jared Parker a lot of different type of toys to play with that Tommy Reese just didn't have last year because of all the injuries to Avery Davis. I mean, taking Dave, Avery Davis off of that lineup last year took away a player that they didn't have anybody else on the roster could do what he could do. No, and and so you know that was very limiting from an offensive coordinator standpoint. Well you are so much in better position to sustain an injury this year than you were a year ago to the point where Caleb Smith comes in from Virginia tech third in the ACC in yards per catch honorable mention, all CC player. And he's struggling to get on the field. And I, you know, I don't know what his future plans hold. We'll, we'll, we'll have more to say about that after the spring, but you're watching this kid come in, Tim. And I'm like, who's number 80. Like he's just not standing out a kid that we've seen do it on Saturdays. But when he's in this room, You'll watch him against you know Deion Colsey, and Deion needs a lot of work. You're you're no doubt no doubt correct about that. We saw that yesterday. He drops a post route for a touchdown right, yesterday, right. but what he also did was run past Benjamin Morrison by like five <laughs> yards. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can fix the drop ball part because I could look at it as a receivers coach and say I I'm watching, and he's like he took his eye off of it. He just assumed he was going to catch yeah. it. He's got to focus on bringing it into the catch point. That's stuff I can teach. What I can't teach is 6'5", 215, who just smoked an All-American cornerback. Yeah, no That's what I can't it. teach. Yeah, no doubt. I, I got it. I don't know what to expect out of Chris Tyree. Quite frankly, right now, I'm not real optimistic about it because he's not a natural receiver. Um, they, they have to find a way to get the ball in his hands where it doesn't look like he's got boxing gloves on, uh, you know, and, and so in the past that's, that's been swinging out of the backfield and that looked very natural. It's the running of routes. that does not look natural to me right. at all. Right. Um, and you know, it's my understanding that he struggled a little bit again yesterday. So I'm not sure. At times, I mean, I think there's some things he does well and some things he's still learning yeah. the speed stuff. He does well, crossers, drags, things like that. He's doing, he's doing those fine. It's the intricate parts, but the thing that people have to understand about Chris as a receivers coach, I've had to deal with, I, you know, recruit, you know, it is the division three level, Tim. I don't just go out there and pick the best of the best receivers. I got to go find some athletic quarterback who's never played receiver before yeah. and turn it into a quarterback. Then you have to make him a wide receiver. Right. And so it's, it's the, the process is when a kid is still learning how to run routes, he's not going to be a great natural pass catcher unless he's been doing it his whole life. It's once you get the route running part more comfortable, that's when the pass catching becomes more natural. 
Yeah, I and that's where Chris is right now. He his route. He's not confident in his route running. Right. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, like, because he's not, he's thinking right now, and because he's not comfortable with that, you're not going to see him look natural. There are some things he's done well that I think he he shows there's some potential there. My point is, he's a lot in the similar situation to Sam Hartman in that he's practiced nine of forty. The point is, however, is right now. What I like about what Notre Dame is doing is they're putting Chris Tyree in a lot of practice situations that you're not sure if that's necessarily where you want him to be in the fall. And now's the time to do that. Let's see if he can work the seams or not. Let's see. And that's what I'm saying. Like Theo Riddick had a natural knack. And I don't know where it came from because he was a running back in high school. But the minute they moved Theo to receiver, Tim, you saw a natural feel for working certain parts of the field that you just did you don't you don't see from Chris. So that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's going to be the same kind of guy. But what we do know is that if you get Chris Tyree the ball on a bubble, a now screen, or a crossing route, or a wheel route, routes that we have seen him catch the football, you give him a little crease and it's going to be a home run. And that's why you're making this move. And if the other stuff develops, great. But right now, it's just about let's figure out what he can do. And then once you get to the fall, you say, okay, right now, here's what I feel comfortable with Chris Tyree doing. And here's what I don't feel comfortable with Chris Tyree doing. And so we're going to put him in position to do this. Because you have to find a way to get this kid to football. And as we saw last year in games, Tim, for whatever reason, you can say they shouldn't be that way, but South Carolina was this way, Clemson was this way, North Carolina was this way, Kyle was this way. When Notre Dame starts using Chris Tyree, especially when they start moving him, teams overreact to it. And I, I you know, you could say why, but Chris Tyree had very little production against South Carolina last year individually. <laughs> But Chris Tyree directly is the reason for about 50 yeah. rushing yards from Tyler Buckner and a 40-something yard touchdown from Brayden Lindsey because of the way the defense reacted when Chris Tyree's in the game. If you can find ways to get him a couple big plays early, now every time he's in the game, I'm going to use him to get the ball. But also, now I have a weapon to say, I can, imp- I can influence you to react this way because with Chris Tyree, because you know you have to prepare for that speed – but what I'm really setting you up for is I'm about to bang a post over your head. And that's why you have to force the issue with Chris at this point in time, in my opinion, and really stretch what he can and can't do. And then once you get to like middle of August, you start to say, okay, we now have a baseline of what he can and can't do. Yeah. You'll know, you'll know what routes he can run and what he's comfortable with at, at, at that point. I, you have to, you know, you have to get him the ball in space. I, I, I thought it was a little frustrating at times when they would get him the ball in the flat. And if he doesn't make that initial acceleration, he's getting tripped up a lot. Um, So, you know, there's, it's a huge, huge work in progress, but as you say, Brian, I mean, he's a great enough athlete that he, he commands respect when he's on the field. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, and that's good for him and it's good for the people, the skill position people around him. I feel I think with with Deion Colsey to me it's still about do you want to be great or not that's 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 still the thing because we saw we and here's what gives me optimism about Deion I have a sneaky suspicion that we're going to come to find out that Deion is one of those guys that's a Saturday player and as a coach, they can drive you nuts. And <laughs> and I had a kid like that at at uh, Duquesne, kid named Michael Warfield, Tim. And he had a weird body because he just could not get loose. I mean, he'd be over there half the practice, somebody stretching him out. He just 
And he was a good player in practice, but when we get to Saturdays and the adrenaline's flowing, he's looser, and he was just a stud. I had a, my best receiver at another school was like that. We've seen this. You've been doing this a long time, Tim. You've seen guys like that in Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, you and, know, no, nobody really wants to coach guys like that. No, no, you don't. And the only way you can get away with it is when you're 6'5", 215, and run a 4'5". I had a kid that was the laziest kid in practice, and but you could – you could wake him up at three o'clock in the morning, put a bat in his hand, stick him in the the batter's box, and he hit a line drive. I mean, it just, <laughs> when it when it when it came to game time, he was ready to play. Yeah. It's frustrating because, you know, you're trying to set an example with everybody. I'm right. not I'm not saying that this kid was a didn't work hard. I am specifically right. referring to a kid like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you want him to you want him to be good all the time, and sometimes there are there are game day players. Right. I don't. Not a lot. Not a lot. I, it's a, I it's, think the reason I say that is because what we did see from Dion last year in his limited catches is he was asked to step up in big moments, and he down. did. And he did. Yep. I mean, third down in the, the Navy game, and what was it, the BC game yet, too. And then against USC, uh, he was great against USC. I mean, made some clutch catches. And if Drew Pine had more confidence in his ability to throw the ball beyond – 15, 20 yards, and by that point in time in the season, I think Drew's confidence throwing the ball downfield was – anything other than a one-on-one was just shot. But he's got Dion open on a, on a potential deep shot late in the game on that. It was on that play he ended up throwing the interception. He's got a two cover two-hole throw right there to Dion that could have been a big play. And that's what makes me think, like, maybe this kid is just a game-day guy. Yeah. And and uh, But I do think what I've seen from Dion is he's, he has improved this spring compared to last year. It's just one of those things where he's got to still level, uh, establish a level of consistency of focus. And I think if that moment comes, you're talking about a, a, a potential dynamic one-two punch on the outside. But right now, that potential one-two punch on the outside has a combined 14 career catches, right? And and Dion's got 13 of those 14 yeah, career yeah. catches. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, talking body language with Colsey, I, I liked it really a lot in the first two open practices, which was – five periods and a, you know, pretty much a body count for us journalists, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, again, I don't want to read too much into that because a lot of times that's kind of created in our own minds, but when Colsey and Merriweather line up now, there's, there just has to be a greater deal of respect from the opposition. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, you certainly would like to see a degree of consistency on the practice field with Colsey because then it, you know, I mean, it going into a game, it, it makes it that much easier for, for, uh, for the offensive coordinator to press that button. You know, and I, and that's where my optimism comes from Dion. I I think he's going to, I think he's going to be okay, but again, it's projecting because you're not necessarily, because we've also seen guys, Tim, in our coaching careers because sports are different, but sports are the same. That guy that on Tuesday and Wednesday, is great. Saturday comes and it's now full full pad of tackle <laughs> and the lights are bright and the and the crowd the stands are full and he's not that guy anymore. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's I've coached less of those yeah. than the ones that are not great in practice yeah. and excel. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So I, I like where they are, Tim. Here's why I'm optim that's why I'm optimistic about the receivers. I love I love the the t- tools. You've got a lot to work with. We're not hoping that this kid who's just okay steps up and plays beyond his talent level like we have in recent seasons. 
And, and I also think the tight end position, we haven't seen as much from that. I think that's intentional. I think the lack of depth at tight end this spring, we've seen very little 12 personnel. That's going to come back in the fall when this when this depth chart yeah. fills up. No doubt. And, and so we'll see a lot more versatility there. We're going to see more 21 and 20 personnel in the fall when the running back depth chart gets back to full health. Because this is the thing that gets me fired up, Tim. I feel good about where the offense is going right now. Defense is always ahead of the offense, should be, always ahead of the offense in spring and in the first 10 days of fall camp. That that's just that's just to me in my experience when I've had when I've played on the best teams I've played on, that's usually been the makeup of those teams. And I feel that's where it's been at Notre Dame. You don't necessarily want to be in a situation like we were in 2017 where you're like, I don't know if this defensive line can stop anybody because they're just getting run on every day. It's a 60-yard touchdown. Well, then you come to find out that offensive line was pretty freaking good. You know, but that's that's a, that's a bit of an anomaly type of season. Although Mike Elko did warn us that year. He was like, guys, <laughs> like, we're better than you think. That whole line is ridiculous. Hey, thank, thank goodness for the arrival of Mike Elko because – I know. It it sparked a a run of quality of quality yeah, defense. It did. It did. Uh, when I look at when I look at it, Tim, I, I think when I when I think of this this group, I think they're ascending. But I, I think the thing that I the, not I think, but the thing that I believe, the thing that gives me optimism is they're trending in the right direction. But it's a depth of talent that you have to choose from because you're not. If Dion doesn't step up, you're screwed. If so-and-so doesn't step up, you're screwed. And this whole spring, we've seen almost nothing from Logan Diggs. We know what Logan Diggs can do. We have not seen a single snap from Jadarian Price. Jeremiah Love doesn't show up until June. And he you could make a case that he's going to be your most physically gifted running back the minute he steps foot on campus. And if he isn't, it's probably Jadarian Price. And then you talk about receiver. We're, 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 we're going to get the other Caleb Smith's going to show up this summer. These guys are going to continue to involve. The, the foundation that the freshmen are laying now, and I thought you made a great point, Tim, is I don't know if we could ask them to be much better than they've been up to this point. Right. Tim. It's, yeah. I, I, and, and they're only going to get better. Again, they are on practice nine of 40 getting ready for the season. So there's a lot to be optimistic about. We see no Eli Raritan. Uh, Cooper Flanagan is going to show up. And I've said to people before, I will not be shocked if at some point in time next year season they're saying, hey, when we go 12 personnel, we got to put this kid on the field because he's the best blocker yeah. we have. Yeah you know, at yeah. tight end. So that's, there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic for me because there's a lot of talent still out there ready to be added to this arsenal of, of weapons that this football team now, has well, on offense. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of you here, Brian, but I'm, where I'm concerned depth wise is I don't, you don't want to see them lose one of the starting five on the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, you know, I yeah. don't, especially I, tackle. Especially yeah. tackle. Well, yeah. You don't want to certainly, yeah. Well, not even just because how good those guys are, Tim, but I I just don't have a lot of faith right now in what's behind. I tell you what, I'm I'm a little. I I, I said this on our, on our podcast today. I'm I've seen the best version of Tosh Baker that I've seen since he got there. Not not that he can replace Joe Alt because Joe Alt is a first round draft choice, probably yeah. a year from now if he if he so chooses, which he's probably going to be in a position to do, but I don't know. You know, like we were talking about Andrew Kostovic. Yeah. He had seven starts two years ago and he's, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the very least, he's a solid offensive guard. But if you lose him, right. You know, Mike, Michael Carmody has, yeah. I mean, Michael Carmody has been able to stay, stay healthy. Um, I he's guess to it. Well, Coogan well, was Pat Coogan was getting some guard reps. 
Yeah. And, and he, he is a he is a Kane Madden type, and I mean this in the best way possible. I don't I don't you know he's a guy that you don't want to play outside of his zone right here. Like this is this is the concern I have at guard is Rocco is a big physical kid. Pat Coogan is a big physical kid that if you can play in a phone booth, they're gonna hold they're gonna be okay. But if they have to step and play with any kind of athleticism, it, it's a problem. You could potentially move Ty Chan inside, potentially. But the other thing, too, is, is that's another position where I say there's a kid coming in this summer that if these guards don't step up and prove themselves, these number two tackles don't step up and prove themselves, there's there's a six-foot-six, 325-pound kid named Charles Jagasol that's going to be showing up this summer, too, that you could say, hey, look, this kid's going to make mistakes, but I'm going to err on the side of the six-six, 325-pound kid with, yeah. with great feet. Yeah. But you don't want to have to be there, though. You don't want to have to play him because I, this, this is a philosophy I've always had on freshman, Tim. I've always said I love playing freshman, but I want to play freshman because I want to, because they've earned it, not because I have to. Sure. Robert Hainsey played in 2017 because he earned it, not no, because no they doubt. didn't play in Tommy Kramer. Right. That's Blake, where you want to. Blake Fisher earned it as well to right. start the season last year. And I don't know. I mean, should the previous offensive line coach had reckon had, had should he have recognized that that Joe Alt was ready to go right away in 20, 2021? That might be a little bit unfair because it's you know it's it's a true freshman, but true. Um, yeah, I I I also am very excited to see the the freshman offensive linemen, not because necessarily they might step into the starting lineup, but I re- I'm really looking forward to seeing Joe Otting. Uh, yeah. on the interior and i'm not sure i'm sure you have an opinion i'm not exactly sure where absher ends up i think he's a guard and i think he's neat i mean i tend to think he's that past block 15 too, times but... his entire career tim i mean i'm being yeah. hyperbolic but right. i mean that that's that's i mean we, we saw it at the army game now by the end of the week he was doing better but this is a kid that's going to need a lot of work love the tools but he's going to need a lot of work yeah joe wadding's going to need work on the opposite side Sullivan so, so is going to show up with a you know size enough to play joe wadding's not but joe wadding's in the, the athleticism the toughness yep. the, yep. the technique pendleton, you know sam pendleton's I, I, don't a, thought, I don't know if you've seen anything with with pendleton yet still yeah. learning but big he's a lot more athletic. i was talking about this yesterday he's a lot more athletic than i thought he was going to be yeah like just even watching him go through drills he's a lot he moves better than i thought he was going to move to be honest with you and, and we started to see it a little bit as a senior he was one of my risers as a senior tim i thought Sam, I thought took a big jump as a senior. I thought he moved better, uh, but I like the way he moves. He, again, he's in practice nine of forty. He's going to need time, and that's a position that I that I think freshmen can have a hard time playing because it's such a physical position relative to corner or receiver. But the unique thing about this class that's coming in is it is a outside of Joe Wadding, who by the way I, I love Joe Wadding by the way, but he he is undersized. Just like I love Ashton Craig, but he's gonna he was gonna need a couple years in the weight room to get yeah. really physically ready to play. There's a lot of kids that physically step in the door and are at least physically ready to compete. And, and Sam Pendleton and Jagasaw are at the top of that list for me because they're so strong. And Sam's a very strong kid. But again, with anything, Tim, if you're not sure what you're doing, you're not gonna move with the same speed and yeah. and confidence that that you are if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And so that's why those kids that it'll come in time. But you I know, was. I was blown away with uh, just interviewing Pendleton, the maturity of that kid, huh? I mean, yeah. I didn't, I did not expect that. I mean, I, I, I 
you know, he looked like a, a, a you know, farm boy coming into Notre Dame. Yeah. I don't know whether far I'm from it. Able to, not, not, I'm not putting well, down. No, no, no. It, it farmers, we'll, we'll, but, we'll, but but look uh, at the pictures we saw of him at, on his recruiting visit. He's just a big goofy kid, you know. Right, him right. and Stan, that is not funky who, pictures. That's and, not who that kid is, man. No. <laughs> he is a very, very bright, very intelligent yeah. kid. Yeah, I was impressed with him there. So I, you know, we'll. They certainly need those bodies. Yeah. They, they need those freshman bodies to create a better competition because right now, you know, like in turn, and I know they like Ashton Craig and I, yeah. and I, you know, Coogan was a guy that, that, that I think showed some things uh, to them last year. Uh, tough luck for Carmody because he had an opportunity at least to start yeah. the spring, you know, as a, a you, okay, you have to beat me out. And uh, I don't, Billy Shrouth isn't giving up that starting spot. No. Well, and, and and the thing about Michael Carmody is I just he's one of those guys, Tim, that ha, always had the athleticism and toughness, but the question was always can he carry the weight and stay healthy? Yeah, well, anyone can weigh three hundred pounds, but can yeah. you can you be healthy at three hundred pounds? And with Michael, we've just learned that he can, and then so he gets down to two eighty, and he just and and now he's not big enough to hold up to the pounding yeah. of the position, and it's unfortunate because I, I thought he had potential. And, and he's an athletic kid. He's more of a guard than a tackle anyway. He was, he was out of position sure. in 2021 playing yeah. left tackle. That wasn't fair to him. But he's a big, strong kid. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, and as you mentioned, you, you give Billy Shrouth almost an entire spring of him taking reps and you not taking any. It's over. Yeah, It's over. You have no chance. Because it was all like, you know, you know you're going to go through some growing pains with a, with a redshirt freshman. But, damn, look at that redshirt freshman. I mean, he's not he's – not, you know he's going to be good. Right. He's going. He's going to be a lot better by the end of this season. Sure. So, well, then, and fortunately like, this year, Tim, the schedule sets up a lot easier for young kids stepping on the field than it did a year ago. Yeah, you're being thrust into it, it would be Ohio State Marshall. better if, yeah. if Central Michigan and NC State were flip flopping. Yeah, really, really good. you know what? I'm going to tell you, Tim. I, I'm going to disagree with that from this standpoint because I feel like you've got two games to warm up for NC State. I, no, I get what you're saying, and, yeah. and then you've got that. Okay that come down game from NC state to then work through some kinks. Yeah, that's good, point. that's good point. So uh, now maybe if you were to say flip Duke and Ohio state. Yeah. And then flip you, you know, yeah. central Florida. I or central Michigan. throw this NCAA. out, you know, like Notre Dame has been dominating the ACC, mm-hmm. but they're getting the best. I mean, almost yeah. all of the best of the ACC this year. With NC Outside state. of Florida state. Yeah, yeah, right. And Florida state obviously is, is becoming for real, but Duke coming what off what, what they did, maybe I'm sure Wake Forest takes a little bit of a step back, but Pittsburgh, you know, is going to be physical. Of course, Clemson. So Louisville uh, getting with Jeff Brown. Been dominating yeah. the ACC, but it's, they're getting most of the best of the ACC this year. Yeah.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.